0: hello friends welcome to god's ego ministries at god's ego ministries we are seeding the nations with god's word and god himself is transforming lives through his timeless truth we are one in christ jesus so let's stay one my name is ambassador monday or ogbe god's ego ministries today is uh friday the 28th of october 2022 total content count is 2,220,726 the keywords today is christian unity relationship nightmares relationship pitfalls relationship please love agape conflict harmony understanding relationship temperament episode three um, relationship uh, perfect relationship tim lahaye trade character Personality, personality test, temperament, team lahaye temperament analysis, relationship and unity. The title today is perfect relationship. Twenty-four tools for building bridges to harmony and taking down walls of conflict in our relationship. Understanding your temperament and that of others. Episode three: Testing strengths and weaknesses. All right. Before we go on, like us to. Father God Almighty, thank you for a time such as this. Thank you for the privilege to call upon your name. Your name is a high tower. We, the righteous, run to it and we are saved. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of access 24 7, any place, anywhere, anytime. Thank you, Lord, for the su- uh, supreme sacrifice upon the cross at Calvary that granted us this fet- unfettered unfet- access be magnified O oh lord god in the name of jesus christ and so as this word goes out declare that it rides upon the wings of the spirit to the four winds of the earth and it will reach get into the dividing asunder of soul of spirits and bone and marrow as many that will hear these and as it will kick start them to be all that you want them to be and doing all that you want them to be in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So again, um, friends, last week we looked at this article, um, Perfect Relationship, 24 Tools for Building Bridges to Harmony and Taking That Walls of Conflict in Our Relationship. Understanding your temperament and that of others have two: to your temperament and how it impacts your relationship welcome to human engineering four basic and 12 blends of temperament which we looked at uh, last week and you'll be able to get the content out there on our website in john 17 verse 23 jesus said uh, uh, i in them you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity perfect unity then the world will know that you sent me and i've loved them as you love me we must remember that for us to have the God kind of unity, we must have the God kind of relationship. We can't have God kind of relationship without the God kind of love. Identifying and dealing with our strengths and weaknesses by the working of the Holy Spirit to help us uh, to understand each other better in unity as we build our relationship with one another in love. When the scripture talks about renewal of the mind, as in Romans 12, 1 and 2, there will always be a need for introspection. The need to identify areas in our lives that require renewal, in line with the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit highlighted in Galatians five twenty one to twenty three. Now, how are a family? How do my family handle this regular family board meeting? For the past twenty two years, Comfort and I have constantly shared relationship evaluations into our family shadows. We call it family board meeting. It held once a year or more than once when the need arises. As the children came along, we included them in these regular family board meetings. We do not hold this event at home, but in restaurants or retreat centers. Apart, uh, apart from this, we have yearly one-on-one meeting with each of uh, the children. In those meetings, we try to find out from them and them from us what is working and what is not working, what changes to make for the future, address offenses, apologize if needed, look at the dreams and aspirations, identify challenges, take personal prayer points, explore areas of personal struggles and failures. We get the children to choose location with meal. They love it. We give them the opportunity to assess us and we also assess them. Okay, who is best kitted to test us? Certainly our family members, because they have spent considerable time with us. In self-evaluation, there's always a temptation to test ourselves through rose glasses. i encourage you to schedule these relationship evaluation meetings into your family schedule to help keep weeds out of our garden on time before they choke up the roses in our relationship garden. Okay. Below are some scriptures that help explain the need to test our performance regularly. And uh, you find it here, here Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 16 to 20. It says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick up grapes from thumb bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot be a good, bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot be a good fruit. Every tree that bears does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire those by their fruit you will recognize them my uh, Psalms 139 verse 22 to 24 by the man who eats after God's heart search me God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting 2nd Corinthians 13 5 Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do, do you not realize this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The above scripture explains the need to test our strength and weaknesses regularly. To see what kind of fruit we are displaying for others to confirm if our work is measuring up with our talk as followers of Christ. Remember Paul's admonition in in renewing our mind, so that we can test and approve God's will. Let's read the full text. Romans 12:1-2. 12, 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, only and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what that what good God's will is. Is good pleasing and perfect will. For us to um, renew our minds, we need to know areas where our minds need to be renewed as we grow in the Lord. Let's explore the temperament test from Tim Tim Lahaye, uh, which is 92% accurate in depicting areas of strengths and weaknesses for further evaluation. You can get all of that on our website. Note that this test can be conducted every two years to see your level of growth in the Lord as the Holy Spirit helps you in developing the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says it's a need for us to renew our mind constantly. Now armed with your temperament type via the Tim Lahaye test form and confirmed by others above, let's drill down to the various temperament strengths and weaknesses. Here's a presentation by late Tim Lahaye in his book Why People Do What They Do, Read, Meditate and Apply it Where Necessary. So Dr. Dr. Henry Brandt, a Christian psychologist, has probably helped more people than any other person in that profession. He certainly has a profound influence on these writers on this writer's life, both personally and my role as a family counsel, counselor. He made a profound statement that I have never forgotten in relation to maturity. He defines a mature person in relation to his attitude towards his own strengths and weaknesses. A mature person is one who is sufficiently objective about himself to know both his strengths and his weaknesses and has created a planned program for overcoming his weaknesses. Bible says, we are more than conquerors through him, as in bracket, Jesus Christ, and loves us Romans eight thirty seven. he has given us his Holy Spirit to strengthen our weaknesses so he can use us we will now examine both your potential weaknesses and your potential strength knowing both your strength and weaknesses is the first giant step toward that mature person you have always wanted to be okay the chart uh, we studied earlier in episode 2 you go to our website you, you get in there show the weaknesses and the strengths of um, the various segments of temperament. Now let's look at uh, four of them, uh, starting from sanguine strength, and the name we are depicting today is Sparky. Sparky is not just an extrovert, he is a super extrovert. Everything he does is superficial and external. He laughs loudly and dominates every conversation, whether he has anything meaningful to say or not. That is sanguine Sparky. He loves the limelight and excels at public speaking. He rarely waits for others to speak first, but usually is the first to initiate a conversation. Mr. and Mrs. Sanguine's ability to respond to others is instantaneous. If he catches another person looking at him, he always responds with a note, wink or greeting. No one enjoys life more than sparky, sanguine. He never seems to lose his childlike curiosity for the things that surrendered him. Even in the pleasant things of life can be forgotten by his change of environment. This is a rare occasion when he does not awaken in a lively mood and he will often be found whistling or singing uh, his way through life. The natural trait of Mr. Sanguine that produces both his hearty and optimistic disposition is defined by Dr. Hallesby, a European authority on this subject. The sanguine person has a God-given ability to live in the present. He easily forgets the past and is seldom frustrated or fearful of future difficulties. The sanguine person is optimistic. He is easily inspired to engage in new plans and projects and his boundless enthusiasm often carries others along with him. If yesterday's project has, has failed, he is confident that the project he is working on today will definitely succeed. The outgoing, handshaking, back slapping customs of the cheerful Sanguine stem basically from his genuine love for people. He enjoys being around others, sharing in their joys and sorrows, and he likes to make new friends. No one makes a better first impression. One of the greatest assets of Mr. Sanguine is that he has a tender, compassionate heart. No one responds more genuinely to the needs of others than the Sanguine. He is able to share emotional experiences. Both good and bad of others by nature, he finds it easy to obey the scriptural injunction: rejoice with those uh, with those that do rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Okay. All right. As the sincerity of the uh, of Mr. Sanguine is often misunderstood by others. They are deceived by his sudden changes of emotion. And a fault one to fail to understand that he's genuinely responding to the emotions of others. No one can love you more nor forget you faster than sanguines. The world is enriched by these cheerful, responsive people. When motivated and disciplined by God, they can be great servants of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the cholerics. Now, Rocky strength. Their strength. Mister Choleric is usually a self-disciplined individual with a strong tendency towards self-determination. He is very confident in his own ability and very aggressive. Once having embarked upon a project, he has a tenacious ability that keeps him doggedly driving in one direction. His His singleness of purpose often results in accomplishment. The choleric temperament is given over almost exclusive, exclusively to the practical aspects of life. Everything to him is considered in the light of his utilitarian purpose and is happiest. When engaged in some work-wide project, he has a keen mind for organization but finds detailed work distressing. Many of his decisions are reached by intuition more than by analytical reasoning. As a choleric has strong leadership tendencies, his forceful will tend to dominate a group. He is a good judge of people and is quick and bold in emergencies. He not only will readily accept leadership when it is placed on him, but will often be the first to volunteer for it if he does not become too arrogant or bossy. Others respond well to his practical direction. When Rocky sets his mind, the sanguine sets his mind to do something, he never gives up. Just about the time his optimism has come home, to engulf him in impossibility, he doggedly borrows out another way, and if the people don't agree with him, that's just too bad, he's going to do it with or without them. What other people think of him or his projects makes very little difference to him. No one is more practical than a choleric, he seems to have a utilitarian mentality. He has strong workaholic tendencies. Mr Choleric's outlook on life based on his natural feeling of self confidence is almost always one of optimism. He has such an advent, advent adventurous some spirit that he thinks nothing of leaving a secure position for the challenge of the unknown. Adversity does not discourage him. Instead, it whets his appetite and makes him even more determined to achieve his objective. Martin Melancholy's strength. Usually, uh, melancholies have the highest IQ of any member in their family. They may be musical, artistic, artistic or athletic. Sometimes you'll find all this stress in one individual. The melancholy has by far the richest and most sensitive nature of all the temperament. The higher percentage of geniuses are melancholy than any other type. He particularly excels in fine arts with a vast appreciation for life's cultural values. He is emotionally responsive, but unlike the sanguine, is motivated to reflective thinking through his emotions. Mister Melancholy is particularly adept at creative thinking, and this also applies to Missus Melancholy. And during high emotional peaks, will often launch into an invention or creative production that is worthwhile and wholesome. Mr. Melancholy has strong perfectionist tendencies. His standard of excellence exceeds others, and his requirements of stability in any field are often higher than either he or anyone else can maintain. The analytical abilities of the Melancholy combined with his perfectionist tendency, make him a hound for detail. Whenever a project is suggested, Mr. Melancholy can analyze it in a few moments and pick out every potential problem. A melancholy person can always be dependent upon to finish his job in the prescribed time or to carry his end of the load. Mr. Melancholy rarely seeks the limelight but prefers to do the -the behind-the-scenes task. He often chooses a very sacrificial vocation for life, for he has an unusual desire to give himself to the betterment of his fellow men. He is prone to be reserved and seldom volunteers his opinion or ideas. Melancholy temperaments are extremely self-disciplined individuals. They rarely eat too much or indulge their own comfort. When engaging in a tax, they will walk around the clock to meet deadlines and their high self-imposed standards. One of the reasons they can go into deep depression after completion of a big project is because they have so neglected themselves while in the task to completion by going without sleep, food, and diversion, that are literally exhausted physically and emotionally let's look at feel, the last of them uh, the phlegmatic strength just because they are super introvert does not mean phlegmatics are not strong actually the phlegmatics calm and unexcited nature is a vital asset there are things he can do vocations he can pursue that extroverts could never do phlegmatics really if ever live before the look they are thinkers and planners Phil is a born diplomat, uh, conciliatory by nature. He does not like confrontation and would rather negotiate than fight. He has a knack for diffusing the hostile and excitable types and is a working example that a soft answer turns away wrath. The unexcited good humor of the phlegmatic keeps him from being intensely Involved with life, so that he can often see humor in the most mundane experiences. He seems to have a superb, inborn sense of timing, the art of humor and stimulating imagination. The phlegmatic is depend- the phlegmatic is de- is dependability itself. Not only can he be depended upon to always be his cheerful, good-natured self, but he can be uh, depended upon to fulfill his obligations and time shadows. Like the melancholy, he is a very faithful friend, and although he does not get too involved with others, he rarely proves disloyal. The phlegmatic is also practical and efficient, not prone to making sudden decisions. He has a tendency to find a practical way to accomplish an objective with the least amount of effort. He often does his best work under circumstances that will cause other temperaments to crack. His work always bears a hallmark of neatness and efficiency. Although he is not a perfectionist, he does have exceptionally high standards of accuracy and precision. The administrative or leadership capabilities of a phlegmatic are seldom discovered because he is not assertive and doesn't push himself. When one given the responsibility, he has a real ability to get people to work together productively and in an organized manner. And then the summary now for the strengths of this temperament. The variety of strengths provided by the four-temperament type keeps the world functioning properly. No one temperament is more desirable than another. Each one has its vital strengths and makes its worthwhile contribution to life. So one facetiously pointed out this sequence of events involving the four temperaments. The hard driving choleric produces the inventions of the genius-prone melancholy, which are sold by the personable sanguine and enjoyed by going phlegmatic. Like the strengths of the four temperaments are made make uh, temperament make each of them attractive. We can be grateful that we all possess some of those strengths, but there is more to the story. As important as are the temperament strengths, even more important for our purposes are their weaknesses. So I intend to contrast the strengths of the temperament with their weaknesses. Our purpose in so doing is to help you diagnose your own weaknesses and develop a plan program for overcoming them. Don't be afraid to be objective about yourself or to face your weaknesses. Many people have decided what basic temperament they are. This point in the study, then change your mind when confronted with their unpleasant weaknesses. Strengths carry corresponding weaknesses, so face them realistically and let God do something to improve them. Temperament weaknesses. This will doubtless be the most painful section, for no one likes to be confronted with his weaknesses. But if we think of ourselves only in terms of strengths of our temperament, we we'll develop a faulty view of ourselves. Everyone has weaknesses. Sanguines, The sanguine weaknesses. Let's look at it. Sanguines are voted most likely to succeed in college, but often fail in life. Their tendency to be weak-willed and undisciplined will finally destroy them unless it is overcome. Since they are highly emotional, exude considerable natural charm, and are prone to be what one psychologist called touchers, they tend to touch people as they talk to them. They commonly have a great appeal for the opposite sex and consequently face sexual temptation more than others. Weakness of will and lack of discipline make it easier for them to be deceitful, dishonest and undependable. They tend to overeat and gain weight, finding it most difficult to remain on a diet someone has said. Without self-discipline there is no such thing as success. Lack of discipline Mr. a greatest weakness. The only temperament more emotional than a sanguine is a melancholy, but he isn't anywhere near as expressive as Sparky Sanguine. Not only can Sparky cry at the drop of a heart, one pro football player's wife won't watch a sad film on TV with her husband because his blubbering embarrasses me. But a spark of anger can instantly become a raging inferno. The lack a lack of emotional consistency usually limits him vocationally and simply destroys him spiritually. When filled with this spirit, however, he becomes a new creation, an emotional control sanguine. Every human being is plagued with egotism, but sanguines have a double dose of the problem. That's why a spirit feels sparky is easily detected. He will reflect an unnatural spirit of humility that is refreshing. Sanguines are notoriously disorganized and always on the move. They seldom plan ahead but usually take things as they come. They rarely profit by past mistakes and seldom look ahead. As one man said, they are disorganized accidents waiting to happen. Wherever Sparky walks or leaves things are in a disastrous state of disarray. They can never find his tools, even though they are right where he left them. Sparky's carriage, bedroom, closet, and office are disaster area unless he has an efficient wife and secretary willing to pick up after him. His egotism usually makes him a sharp dresser, but if his friends or customers could see the room where he dressed, they would fear that someone had been killed in this explosion. How does Sparky get by with that? kind of living. The way Mr. Sanguine handles our confrontation caused by his temperament, a disarming smile, a pat on the back, a funny story, a restless move to the next thing that sparks his interest. The Sanguine will never become a perfectionist, but the Spirit of God can bring more planning and order into his life. And when that happens, Sparky is a much happier person, not only with others but also with himself. Behind that super extroverted personality that frequently overpowers other people, giving him a false reputation as a very self-confident person, Sparky Sanguine is really quite insecure. His insecurity is often the source of his vile profanity. Sanguines are not usually fearful of personal injury and often resort to outlandish feats of daring and heroism. Their fears most often arise in the area of personal failure, uh, rejection, or disapproval. That's why they often follow an obnoxious display of conversation with an equally mindless statement. Rather than face your disapproval, they are hoping to cover up the first goof with something that will gain your approval. Perhaps the sanguine's most treacherous trait, one that really stifles his spiritual potential, is his weak or flexible conscience. Usually able to talk others into his way of thinking, and in him. The reputation of being the world's greatest con artist. When things go wrong, he has no difficulty convincing himself that whatever he did was justified. He bends the truth until any similarity between his story and his, the fact is totally coincidental. Yet this rarely bothers him, for he cons himself into believing that the end justifies the means. Others often find it incredible that he can lie, cheat, or steal, yet seldom endure a sleepless night. That is why he frequently walks over the rights of others and really hesitate to take advantage of other people. Sooner or later, Sparky Sanguine will weave a web of deceit that will produce his own destruction. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For soever a man sweat that he also reap. Galatians 6-7 The only way to conquer that problem is to concentrate on truth and honesty. Every time a man lies or cheats, it becomes easier and the next temptation is bigger. Sparky Sanguine's penchant for exaggeration, embellishment and plain old-fashioned deceit catches up with him most quickly in his marriage and family. While he may fool those who see him occasionally, it is impossible for him to cheat and deceive his way through life without teaching his wife and children that they cannot depend on his word of the nine necessary building blocks in any love relationship, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 is trust, fact of faith, of the reason our Lord and the Scriptures speak so frequently on the subjects of truth or honesty is that it not only produces a necessary clear conscience all men need, but it creates a kind of foundation of which lasting, enjoyable, interpersonal relationships are made. Now let's look at the choleric weaknesses. The choleric are extremely hostile people some learn to control their anger but eruption into violence is always a possibility with them if their strong will is not brought into control by proper parental discipline as children they look angry tumultuous habits that plague them all through life it doesn't take them long to learn that others are usually afraid of their angry outbursts and thus they may use wrath as a weapon to get what they want which is usually their own way. The glory can cause pain to others and enjoy it. His wife is usually afraid of him and he tends to terrify his children. Rocky collection often reminds me of a walking mount Vesuvius. Constantly gurgling until provoked, he spills out his bitter lava all over someone or something. He's a door slammer, table pounder and horn blower. Any person or thing that gets in his way retards his progress or fails to perform up to the level of his expectations will feel the eruption of his wrath. No one utters more caustic comments than a sarcastic choleric. He is usually ready with a cutting comment that can wither the insecure and devastate the less combative. Even Even Sparky Sanguine is no match for him. Because Sparky isn't cruel or mean, Rocky will rarely hesitate to tell a person off or chop him to bits. Consequently, he leaves a path of damaged psyches and fractured egos wherever he goes. The happy choleric and his family members who discover that the tongue is either a vicious weapon of destruction or a tool of healing. Once he learns the importance of his verbal approval and encouragement to others, he will seek to control his speech. But he gets angry, whereupon he discovers with the Apostle James that the tongue can no man tame it is sound really evil, full of deadly poison, James 3.8. Ready speech and an angry spirit often combine to make a choleric very profane. The milk of kindness has all but dried up in the veins of a choleric, he is the most unaffectionate of all the temperaments and becomes emotionally spastic at the thought of any public show of emotion. Marital affection to him means a kiss at the wedding and on every fifth anniversary thereafter. His emotional rigidity rarely permits him the expression of tears. He usually stops crying at the age of 11 or 12 and finds it difficult to understand others when they are moved to tears. Similar to his natural lack of love is the choleric tendency to be insensitive to others' needs and and inconsiderate of their feelings. When a choleric is sensitive and considerate, it can be a great blessing to others. For as we have seen, what he thinks of others is of vital importance to them. By nature, rocky choleric has the height of a rhinoceros. However, the Spirit of God will make him kind, tender-handed, tender-hearted. The choleric's natural determination is a temperament asset that stands him in good stead throughout life. But it can make him opinionated and bullheaded. Since he has an intuitive sense, he usually makes up his mind quickly without adequate analysis and deliberation. And once made up, it is almost impossible to change. No temperament type more typifies the old cliche. Don't confuse me with the fact, my mind is made up. One of the undesirable characters of the choleric involves his inclination to be crafty even necessary to get his own way. He rarely takes no for an answer and will often resort to any means necessary to achieve his ends. he has to juggle his figures and bend the truth he really hesitates for to him the end justifies the means since he easily comes to conclusions he finds great delight in making decisions for other people and forcing them to conform to his will if you work for a choleric you really wonder what he wants you to do for he tells you five times before 8 30 in the morning and usually at the top of his lungs The rocky choleric of life are very effective people if their weaknesses are not indulged until they become a dominating lifestyle. When they are filled with the Spirit, their tendency toward willfulness and harshness are replaced by gentleness, which verifies clearly that they are controlled by something other than their own natural temperament. From the days of Apostle Paul until the present, both the Church of Jesus Christ and society have benefited from. Uh, Benefited much from these active, productive people. Many of our great church institutions are founded by venturous cholerics. But to be effective in God's service, they must learn the divine principle of productivity. Let's go to the uh, melancholy second to the last the melancholy's weakness. The admirable qualities of the perfectionist and conscientiousness often carry with them the serious disadvantage of negativism, pessimism, and spirit of criticism. Anyone who has worked with a gifted melancholy can anticipate that his first reaction to anything will be negative or pessimistic. This one trait limits the melancholy's vocational performance more than any other. The minute a new idea or project is presented, his analytical ability ignites. They begin to concord every problem and difficulty that may be encountered in the effort. The most damaging influence upon a person's mind, in my opinion, is the criticism. Melancholies have to fight that spirit constantly. I have observed that the most psychologically disturbed children come from homes of predominantly melancholy or choleric parents. Choleries are hard to please. Melancholies are impossible to satisfy, even when the children bring home Bs and B pluses brain with grimace with dissatisfaction because they don't get the A's. instead of commending their wives and encouraging the melancholy is criticized cap and censor. Even when they realize the importance of their approval to both wife and children, it is hard for them to offer it because they cannot endure the hypocritical taint of saying something that isn't 100% true. The same high standard is usually turned inward by a melancholy, making him very dissatisfied with himself. Self-examination, of course, is a healthy thing for any Christian who wants to work in the Spirit. For through it, he gains the realization that he must confess his sins and seek the Savior's forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 But the melancholy is not satisfied to examine himself. He dissects himself with a continuing barrage of introspection until he has no self-confidence or self-esteem left. Everything in life is interpreted by the melancholy in relation to himself. Tend to compare himself with others on looks, talent, and intellect, invariably feeling deficient because it never occurs to him that he compares himself to the best of another's traits and fails to lived their weaknesses. He is he is ever examining his spiritual life and typically coming up short in his own mind. This keeps him from enjoying confidence before God. He melancholy finds it difficult to believe he is approved of God, basically because he can seldom approve himself. The self-centered trait, together with his sensitive nature, makes the melancholy thin-skinned and touchy at times, although not as expressive of his anger as the sanguine or the choleric. He is very capable of long-term sitting and slow burning anger in the form of revengeful thinking pattern and self-persecution reveries. If indulged long enough, this can make him manic depressive or at least erupt into an angry outburst that is unlikely his normal gentle nature. One of the most prominent characteristics of a melancholy temperament concerns his mood swings. On some occasions, he is so high that he acts like a sanguine. On other, he is so down that he feels like sliding under the door rather than opening it. The older he gets or less transformed by a vital relation to Jesus Christ, the more he is prone to experience dark moods. During such times, he is gloomy, irritable, unhappy, and all but impossible to please. Such moods make him particularly vulnerable to depression. Three years ago, I read an article on depression in Newsweek. Magazine that stated depression is emotional epidemic of our times. Fifty thousand to seventy thousand depressed individuals commit suicide annually. In the states, having counseled over one thousand depressed people by that time, I felt compelled to write a book, How to Win Over Depression. It became a bestseller in only three months. Anyone with a depression problem, particularly a melancholy, should make 1 Thessalonians 5.18 a way of life. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ is concerning you. You cannot rejoice and give thanks over something while well maintaining a state of depression. No other temperament is so apt to be rigid, implacable, and, and uncompromising to the point of unreasonableness as a melancholy. He is intolerant and impatient with those who do not see things his way. Consequently, he finds it difficult to be a team player. Often a loner in business and world, loner in business world. But at home, it is a different matter. Wife and children are subjected to such rigid standards who often become insecure, unhappy, and sometimes give up on him. Once he learns that flexibility and cooperation are the oil that makes interpersonal relationships run smoothly, he is a much happier person. And so are those around him. We have already seen that the melancholy is an idealist, a trait we list as a strength. However, on the other side of that criticism, he is apt to be impractical, impractical and theoretical. Often compare, campaigning for an ideal that is so altruistic it will never work. The melancholy should always subject his plans to the practical test God has um, God has used okay. God has used many melancholies who made their talents available to him. In fact, many of the uh, characters recorded in the Bible are melancholies. However, the key to their success was not their temperament, talents, or gifts, but their commitment to the Holy Spirit. The phlegmatic weakness. The most obvious of feel phlegmatic weaknesses and that which caused hypocrites who originated the idea of four temperament to label him phleg, slow or sluggish, his apparent lack of drive and ambition. Although he always seems to do what is expected of him, he will rarely do more. Rarely does he instigate an activity but thinks of excuses to avoid getting involved with the activities of others. More than any other temperament, the phlegmatic is vulnerable to the law of inertia. A body at rest tends to stay at rest. He needs to reverse that trend, with pre medicated activity, but he and his family would benefit by such effort. No one likes to be hot, and that is particularly true of Phil Phlegmatic. Although not as sensitive as his Melancholy, he does have a thin skin and accordingly learns early in life to live like a turtle that is, to build a hard shell of self protection to shield him from all, from all outside uh, grief or affront. But even a turtle could give Phil a valuable piece of advice. You can never go anywhere unless you stick your neck out. Nor will you ever help anyone else unless you reach the possibility of an emotional injury. One of the less obvious weaknesses of the phlegmatic is his selfishness. Every temperament faces a problem with selfishness. But Phil is particularly afflicted with the disease. Though he's so gracious and proper that few people who don't live with him are aware of his selfishness selfishness makes him self-indulgent and unconcerned about his family's needs for activity no one can be more stubborn than a phlegmatic but he is so this diplomatic about it that he may proceed halfway through life before others catch on he almost never openly confronts another person or refuses to do something but he will somehow manage to sidestep the demand in church administration I found this gracious, kindly, placid individual to be most exasperating at times. He will smile as I detail the program, even note his head as if he understands, and then walk away and ignore the mandate. He simply would do it his way, quite affably and with less contention than any other temperament, but definitely his way. In the family situation, phlegmatics never yell or argue, they just drag their feet or set their legs and will not budge. Bennett the gracious surface of a diplomatic phlegmatic, uh, diplomatic, phlegmatic beats a very fearful heart. There is a warrior by nature who erroneously seems to misinterpret Philippians 4.6 as the anxious for everything and by worry and fear let a request be made known unto God. This fear tendency often keeps him from venturing on his own to make full use of his potential. Fear keeps phlegmatics from being used in the church. I'm convinced that they would like to teach, sing in choir or learn to share their faith. But fear stifles them. One of the strengths of the Holy Spirit is faith, which dissolves our fears. A silent silent result of reading and studying the Word of God is a growing faith. Most people are fearful of failure. But those who succeed in effectively serving God replace their fears with faith. I found it well worth the time to try motivating Phlegmatic to work in the church. They make good board members and policy makers as well as excellent Sunday school teachers and department superintendents. Once committed, they become very dependable workers for many years. The difficult task is to get them to agree to an assignment in the first place. Summary Now you have the bad news. All temperaments have weaknesses, at least 10 according to their temperament. But there is a power that can enable you to improve your temperament. Read them. This brings us to the end of today's episode of episode 3. Perfect relationship to the four tools for building bridges to harmony and taking down walls of company in our relationship. Under your temperament and understanding your temperament and that of others. Episode 3. Testing strengths and weaknesses. Next week, God willing, we will be looking at episode 4. Strengthening your weaknesses. Until then, have a wonderful weekend. Shalom This is Ambassador Monday. O God, jo, or Jo. Or God. God's Ego Ministries where we are seeding the nations with God's word and God is transforming lives through His timeless truth. We are one in Christ, let's stay one. So, Father God Almighty, thank you for this time uh, to share this word. I ask, O God, that you cause this word to minister to them and to be all that you call them to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His countenance to shine upon you and give you peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Bye-bye. Take care.